podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the King and AI podcast. My name's Kelly Cates and you'll be listening to my dad, uh, Kenny Dalglish, on this podcast and getting his thoughts on football issues about Liverpool, but also about other things as well. And the reason the podcast has come about is because of our family's charity, the Marina Dalglish Appeal, which was set up to raise money to help cancer patients and their families. So if you'd like to support that, that would be fantastic. As much as it's about raising awareness, it is also about the financial support, if possible. If you want to donate, you can go to anfieldindex.com slash MDA, or you can go to the Marina Dalglish Appeal website to find out a little bit more about the charity and the work that they do. It's worth having a read about. It's a really great charity and it's something that's very close to all our hearts. Enjoy the show. The international break is over and your champions of Europe have won four from four to sit nicely at the top of the Premier League. We know it's been a while, but this is a long-awaited return of the King and AI podcast here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Eddie Gibbs, and it's my distinct pleasure to welcome back for your listening pleasure the father and son combo who need this show to settle any arcade game shenanigans kicking off in the Dalglish family. Yes, once again, I'm delighted to welcome back uh, Liverpool legend and newly announced FIFA 20 icon player, Sir Kenny Dalglish. Hi, Ed. Are you well? Yes, still breathing. <laughs> well, that's always a positive. Good start to every day when you're still breathing. <laughs> a wee bit helpful. <laughs> and next up, it's the man who's been polishing his latest silverware stateside. And whilst he's way too humble to give you his trophy haul, this podcast host is anything but. So it's now five national championships won in America. Firstly, there were two MLS titles as a player. Now he has two NPSL soccer wins, plus one USL league trophy. You've heard from him a lot less than usual on Anfield Index, but he's back today, and it's everyone's favourite red in Miami, Mr. Paul Dalglish. How are you, Eddie? I'm but very they, well. You know, they, they, all, they all pale into insignificance if you're not in FIFA, you know, <laughs> and, and especially, in my, especially in my grandson's eyes, so it doesn't really matter. The only, the only trophy that matters is, are you in FIFA? <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> oh, well, we can't. We can't all say that. He might be moving over here now. <clears throat> eh? Rock will be wanting to come and live with us now. Well, he doesn't need to. Well, He's got the game in his bedroom, hasn't he? He can just play closer to the closer to the action. Now, before we get into the football chat, it's important to reiterate what Kelly said at the top of the show there and remind all our listeners that the key objective of this podcast is to raise awareness and help with fundraising for the Marina Dalglish Appeal. And whilst this podcast has been on radio silence for the past few weeks, it's not stopped the donations coming in. And thanks to the collective donations to the appeal, there is now a 1.25 million surgical robot in place in the urology department of the Royal Liverpool Hospital and a new vacuum-assisted biopsy machine in the breast unit of the Aintree Hospital. So thank you once again to everyone for continuing to donate, and I encourage all our listeners, if you can, to head on over to anfieldindex.com forward slash MDA and pledge whatever you can, even if it's just a small amount using the monthly donation option to help boost the funds for this fantastic appeal. I mean, that's great news, Kenny, isn't it? More and more equipment is only going to help uh, against this uh, this horrible disease. Well... Uh, because of the generosity of the people that have tuned in, uh, many people are going to benefit. And the people at, in Liverpool are, acute, are delighted, the, the medical people are delighted with the, the new equipment that they have. So, I mean, it's, it might be our name, but it's other people's money. So every little helps and there's nothing, there's nothing that isn't... Uh, uh, it doesn't get done as being counted as generous. It doesn't matter how little it is, just the fact that they've thought about the charity is enough for us. So thank you very much for everything that, that's come through and we really appreciate it. 
here here so let's get the uh the ball back out and we'll start with the virtual ball the uh fifa 20 computer game is set for release uh later this month and uh you two have been exchanging the verbals on Twitter already. Uh, the prospect of Kenny Dalglish teaming up with John Barnes and Ian Rush once more to take on the uh, LFC class of 2019. And in particular, Virgil van Dijk is certainly one that uh, whets the appetite of Reds fans, I'm sure. And uh, your grandson, Kenny, seems to be right up for the challenge. It seems to be a bit of a hammer thrower, my grandson. He just wants to kick people. Imagine just imagine setting yeah. me up to get kicked for the first my first appearance. He set me up to be kicked off the pitch. He said he didn't want to play like me. He wanted to play like Graham Souness because he kicked people. Yeah. Yeah. He's been watching Graham Souness videos. And, and, uh, he's, yeah, that's it. He's, he's already, he's already been sent off. He's, he just, and he said he's ready for you and, uh, he's ready for you in FIFA. He says you, you pick your role in the Kenny Dalglish stand and you're going to get stuck in it. Well, you know yourself, Paul, we came over in the summer to visit you there and the wee man, he got a couple of severe batterings, didn't they, when, when I was fighting with him, so there's no problem. I'm pretty confident yeah, but he, but he couldn't have I, done it, he had to get somebody else in, that's no very, that's Yeah, like but that. when, you've got, when you've got a remote control in your hand, it's a level playing field. No, for me it's no. I can't, <laughs> I can't use it. <laughs> You, you can't wait. And you know who else would like to watch that? My mother. She can't wait to see you get booted by someone. Well, I get enough grief indoors, Pedro. I don't think she needs to look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, we've not recorded this show since that night a hundred days ago in Madrid. And when we first started the show around one year back, Kenny said from the outset uh, that the Champions League and Europe's elite side would have more to fear from Liverpool than we would from them. So it would be remiss of me not to start by asking Kenny for his reflections on Liverpool becoming champions of Europe for the sixth time. And uh, one loss, Kenny, back-to-back champion, one loss in the league, 96 points, back-to-back Champions League finals and a team led by uh, one of the greatest coaches of any era. Is this current Liverpool side right on track to be one of the best Reds teams of all time? Yeah, the only thing that stopped him last year having an unbelievable season was Manchester City. Uh, but certainly, uh, there's no, there's no, as I said last time we were on, one of the times we were on, there's nobody wants to play Liverpool in a two-legged game. In, in Europe or anywhere, I don't care who they are, because you know they're well capable that Liverpool can beat them either in their own pitch or at Anfield. And they went, they started off last year and never won a game away from home in the section. But when they played at home, they, they looked, they looked unstoppable. Um, and then they go into the knockout stages and they just walk over teams. Uh, they play exactly the same way when they're away from home with the same intensity, the same purpose and the, the same ambition to win the match. And although the, the, the cup final wasn't such a great, uh, advert for, for football, I thought it was, it was good enough. And it was understandable when you consider neither of the teams had played for three weeks. It was roasting, uh, in Madrid. The pitch had been watered, but it was too hot. It was, it was, the pitch was still dry when, when they went out to play. And I think it was admirable that both teams, played as well as he did, considering the disadvantages that both sides had. Getting the goal in the first minute always helps. Um, although Tottenham might feel a little bit unfortunate, at the end of the day, uh, it's the goals that count. And, and we won it, and I think they were deserved winners. It would, have been, it would have been pretty hard on the team if they had gone through the season and come away at the end of the season without a trophy of some sort. And I think uh, on the night, they may be just, it's a level game, but I think over the, the length of the season, I think they deserved um, to come away with it. And when you see Tottenham's performance against Ajax in the semi-final, the three goals to get through and, and they get them away from home, they also... Uh, had a great achievement there 
and they get through the lead, the section with Barcelona and, and Borussia Dortmund. So they had a they had a decent run as well, and it was a great tribute to them. It, it'll be interesting to see how they got on this year. Um, they haven't started great in the Premier League, and their lads have been bob on right from the start. So I think that uh, we're going to have a good season again this year, and I think last year. We got one point out of the games against Man City. And at the end of the day in the league, that was vital. If we even get, if we even share the points and get 3-3, then we won the league. So you can't underestimate the games against Man City because there's not too many other teams can take points off them. So we, if we can get points off of them, then we give ourselves a much better chance because I don't see too many other teams. Um, taking that many points off us. And Paul, if it's going to be the same sort of season again in the league where you almost have to be faultless, so you almost can't afford to drop any points. I mean, ne- never. I don't think even on the shows we spoke that we ever thought that dropping points uh, against Leicester and West Ham, in, and they were just draws, they weren't even losses. Never did you think that they could have such ramifications on, on, on the season where you just miss out on the league with such a, a massive point, points total and just losing out by one point. So is there is there anything to be said with this Champions League draw that's just come out? That's pitted Liverpool against Napoli, obviously once again, and uh, and obviously we've got the, uh, the the two you could say slightly easier teams. Is there is there more that you're going to be thinking in terms of prioritising the Premier League over the Champions League? Like let's say for instance, if you were offered uh, if you're offered four points between Newcastle and Napoli in the next week in the two fixtures that's coming up, where would you spread those four points? See. I- I think that we might think like that, Eddie. Um, but I, I, just from just from previous experience of, of watching Jurgen's team selection, I, I don't think he he thinks like that. I think he puts a team out to try and win every game, uh, and and I don't think he he, he really does prioritise. I, ju- I just think he goes after every tournament that that he can, and I think it's going to be the same this year. The the uh, the the league's gone. It's gone into a situation that is unprecedented. Really, we, nobody thought that Man City could produce the same performance as they did two years ago and, and produce that amount of points. That nobody thought that would be sustainable. People thought they would regress to the norm. Well, fast forward a year, then Liverpool and Man City produced a, a points total around around that level as well. So. The way that the two teams have started the season this year, I, I think that it's going to be, you know, you, you really are looking at, at not slowing up in, in any occasion. And, and as my dad said, the games against Man City are going to be huge because he was right what he said. It happens occasionally when, when he said that there's not really anybody else that looks like they can beat them. And there's not really anybody else that looks like they can beat us either because if you look at Man United, I mean, if, if you if you look at Man United and you say how many players from Manchester United can get into the Liverpool team, how many players from from uh, Arsenal can get in the Liverpool team or the Man City team, and you look at you know you you go to Tottenham, I've got some good players, but how many actually get in the Liverpool or, or the Man or the Man City team? It's not that many. So the two teams are so far ahead of everyone else that um, that. I just got. I think it's going to be one of those where you you can't slip up again this year. I think when you look at the Man United Chelsea game, with Chelsea Chelsea started really well, and but Man yeah. U Man U just sat waited for them. And by the way, some pace on the break with Martial, Rashford, and James, and I think. I think in the Manchester Derby this year, I think United could go, it could go pretty close to, to doing us a favour and getting a result. Because I think that's the way they will play against them. I don't think they'll go, they'll go for them. I think they'll sit back and wait for them to come to them. And they won't need to wait too long because they attack everybody, Man City. So, they've got a great deal of pace there. And if, if they've got their players available, I think it could cause City a wee problem defensively. 
So the collective improvement, if you like, of the other sides, the, the other alleged top six, if you like, do you think that actually helps Liverpool and, and goes against Man City in some ways? Because they, they do seem to more, more methodical, if you like, more like a machine that just shows up and beats the teams that they're supposed to be and uh, just gets by, if you like, against the, the bigger teams. Eddie, I don't see a great deal of improvement so far outside of Man City and, and Liverpool. So whoever you want to, whoever you want to promote into the top six, Right, it would be. I would presume the so-called bigger name clubs, and they're no, they're no there, are they? They're no in it. Leicester's third. I mean, Leicester have started. They've got six points, eight points. They haven't lost. Yeah. Aye. So, I, I don't see, I don't see a threat coming from uh, outside Liverpool and Man City. To be perfectly honest, no. I mean, no. you, you, just have a look. I've just got the thing in front of you here. United are uh, seven points behind us now. We've only played four games. Tottenham are seven. Yeah. Chelsea, seven. Arsenal, five. And they've played us, so that might be a bonus for them. So, I suppose they would be the ones you'd be looking to be in, in around the top six or seven. And I, I kind of see them giving. Yeah. I mean, if just don't two points off the rest of them so that's three and three and five points if you, you, you take City into consideration I don't see them I don't see them I don't see anything that's produced this year that tells me that they're going to be better than last year so no. I think it's I think it's uh, a two horse race and I think Leicester have made a better start than, than any of them The other one Dad is Tottenham Tottenham you'd normally put them in the mix but it just the, that seems to be you know, everything you hear coming out of there just seems to be uh, you know it, it doesn't seem to be positive when you hear about players not signing contracts and the managers getting linked with going other places and you can say what you want about players being professional and they should be able to ignore it but you it does affect it does affect the performances on the pitch when you've got that all that going on around the club and and they they look a shadow of what they were last year so far this season. I mean, they're, they're the only team really that could you could make an argument for if 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 the if it becomes a, a happier camp, if you like. Well, I don't know if Aspitz made a contribution towards the start, well, to the bad start to the season. But for me, I, I really enjoyed watching Tottenham. I thought they were they were excellent last year. But they did lose a lot of silly points. Now, whether that was them trying to get used to the success they were having in the Champions League run and they try to marry it up with the, the games in the, in the, in the, the Premier League, I don't know. I mean, they've not had that good a team for a long time. And sometimes when you get a bit of success, it wears you down a wee bit. But then, they seemed a wee bit unpredictable. I mean, when they went behind against Ajax, you thought, oh, here we go. And even in the first leg at home to Ajax, they lost and they, they, they didn't start too well. So, but they finished it off there. And they seemed to be up and down a wee bit. They, they, I, I, I like them. I like the way they play. I like, I think, the manager's top draw. Um, but, I don't see them reproducing this year what they did last year and the evidence so far. The, the, get, the game against Newcastle, they seem devoid of ideas, try to break them down. And although Steve Bruce had them really well organised um, for the match and, and difficult to break down, they still, they should defend better than that. And they should be able to create a wee bit more than that as well. So... Yeah, but I, things I can change see, quickly, I, and can't I don't they, see, in football. They, well, they can't, they're not going to change quickly that's going to help you catch Liverpool and Man City, because they, it's not going to change quickly for them. No, they're no, no, but that, they're the no point all was, of a sudden going to lose a few games. They're the ones, if they get the stuff together, they're, they're the ones that, if they get the stuff together, are the only ones that, a Tottenham and form are a difficult proposition. Right. But that, but the others, I mean, you, you look at them, Dad, and, and, 
Now, Chelsea looked good going forward, but look a little bit suspect defensively. Um, same with same with uh, Arsenal. You know, that there's just nobody seems that the only team that could be complete if they return to form, I think, outside of Man City and Liverpool at all. But the, the Tottenham, to be fair, have played City, haven't they? And drawn, they played Arsenal away and drawn. So that's two mm. hard games out the road for them. But then they get beat at home in Newcastle. You, you can't afford to do that. No. I mean, you look at the points that the team's. City and uh, Liverpool dropped last year. They don't do it often enough. If you've done that now at this stage of the season and you're seven points behind Liverpool and five behind Man City, you're looking for them to drop points. At the same time for you not to drop any. It's a huge ask, even this early. Yeah. I mean, going back to going back to your era, your first era as a manager, and obviously your time as a player, Kenny. I mean, sometimes you never got going until November, but now they seem to have to go breakneck speed right from the start line. Well, there was what was it here? Ron Atkinson won the first ten league games. Uh, eighty-five. It would have been eighty-five, eighty-six, wouldn't it? And we won the league. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, maybe Paul's right. It does happen sometimes, but I can't see it happen when you get two teams. Oh, thanks, thanks. Maybe. Yeah. maybe I only said maybe. Maybe. maybe you never said you yeah. never said maybe's I maybe's no there was nothing I definitive never... about that Paul nothing definitive because maybe's I've never said that <laughs> <laughs> oh the way the wee glimmer of a of a chance of some praise just goes slipping uh, slipping by Paul's grasp there yeah. <laughs> now uh Obviously, one thing that I spoke to Yamolbi about on a podcast a few weeks ago was the uh, lack of transfers that Liverpool done in the summer window. And I know, Kenny, you've, you've done a piece with the Liverpool Echo a few weeks ago on that subject. And one thing that again happened in your day was when Liverpool were the kings of Europe back then or won, the, won their latest league title, they would always go and pick one or two from uh, usually the usually the first division at the time uh, and strengthen the squad just that little bit in areas. I mean, it was something I'm sure you always would have thought about as a manager coming to the end of a season, but Liverpool didn't do that. Now, we assume they would have had targets, and if there's any area where you feel Liverpool could slip up, and this is just me speaking from my own personal opinion here, is if injuries strike to, to key players within Liverpool's squad. So why do you think... Liverpool decided not to go and strengthen the, the, the wider squad. I mean, Jurgen's already spoken, said, well, the injured, the injured players were returning. So is it purely down to that? Well, you've got, you've, you've got the Alts coming back. So he's, as he says, like a new signing. Um, they, if you're a player that Liverpool might have an interest in, and they ask, would you be interested? And you look at the team, you think, many games am I going to get? Where am I going to play? Who are you going to leave out? The fact of the matter is the, the strength of the the squad that Liverpool have at the moment and the replacements and everything, the people who came on sub last year for Liverpool had a greater number of assists than anybody else that came on subs. So the, when you think you get towards the end of the season, uh Arigi scores their header at Newcastle. You look at the, you look at the Barcelona game. Gina Wijnaldum comes on, scores. Uh, Arigi scores. That's was, goals though, isn't it? Not assists. Do you mean goals and assists or just ah, assists? Goals and assists. Alright. Well, can you let, I mean, that's, well, I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just, no, very nice to interrupt. No, it's not very nice to interrupt me all the time, so I'm just thought I'd return the favour. Carry on. Well, you're the one that's Stato. I'm just the one that's paraphrasing. <laughs> I know so, I was, I was, I was so a little they, bit surprised when you started throwing stats out there. The, the fact, the, the, the thing about, it's the quality of the players and somebody come and say, well, when am I going to get a game? Yeah, it, but in a dressing room, it was always great to get a new face in because the dressing room needs freshened up. They want to have a laugh and a joke. There's new and, faces going. Yeah. If there's it's two going, can I get one? Well, I, I don't think they could afford that much, Paul. They didn't want to spend that much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to get players in. They go. They go. Adriana in to replace obviously 
the goalkeeper let Mingley go and then there was a, an injury which normally happens. But as I say, they've got some young boys that are coming through. I know Harry Wilson and a few of them going out on loan. But they have decent Kent's gone to Rangers. But they've got young boys there that they could maybe fill in. And I think, I don't know how he's going to keep everybody comfortable. I think it's a, I think it's a very happy dressing room. I think they're all comfortable in their own skins in there. But there's always a case. And it doesn't mean to say that somebody's unsettled when they say, I wouldn't mind getting a few more games. I mean, you can get a lot of games, but you could be fighting relegation. Is that better than sitting getting maybe less games but going for the title and going for the Champions League and going for other trophies so it's hard to, it's hard for them to have got people in that might have been willing to come uh, I think the season before he spent a lot I mean Fabinho's really kicked on now Keita can't get a run because he keeps getting injuries uh, you look at I suppose Virgil counts in that as well because he came in in a January. Uh, Alisson, look, he, he wins goalkeeper of the year, Virgil player of the year. So, I mean, it's, they did really well the year before with his transfers and bringing people in who had done brilliantly for the club. And I, I don't... It would have been nice to get somebody in, but as Jürgen said, there's no point spending money just for sake of spending it. And, and I wouldn't know what... I wouldn't know what position they would be looking for to replace or 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 you've got James Milner Milner can play every position barkeeper probably maybe he has played that I think the uh, I think the point you made Dad about players looking at Liverpool and thinking where am I going to play I think that's valid because the if you think about you look at Liverpool's team and you think Okay, where where can you improve? If you go through the team, Alisson and Van Dijk just got in the the FIFA best eleven or, or oh. whatever it was. Van Dijk's won Player of the Year. Uh, the two fullbacks got on Player of the Year. Matip looks fantastic. We've got so many options in midfield. Who gets into the front three? I mean, it's very very difficult. If I'm if I'm a player and I'm looking at it and I'm going, where where am I going to play? The the and I think your point about um, is it better to be in, you know, fighting for relegation or playing less games and being at Liverpool going for leagues and Champions Leagues, I think a lot of that depends on the stage of the career you're at, uh, the stage in, in your career you're at. So if you're a young player, you probably want to play games. If you're somebody who's 27, 28, 29, then maybe you think, do you know what? I'm quite happy with the amount of games I've played and now want to be in a, in a team that's challenging. Then... You know, everybody's different and everybody's at a different stage of the career where the priorities change. But I, I, I genuinely, the, the problem Liverpool have is to find somebody that can improve the team that is available, um, you know, at a reasonable price becomes very, very difficult. It becomes really, really difficult because if you think how, you, you so Nicholas Pepe, for example, goes to Arsenal. What was it, 75 million, something like that? 70, how much was it? No, 70 something anyway. 70 something million. So you look at you, okay, yes, someone like that might have been good for Liverpool. We got linked with him. Someone like that might have been good for Liverpool. However, it's 70 million to add depth to the squad because he's not better than the front three that we've got. Where does he he play, Paul? He's not going to get many games. That's what I'm saying, and and you're spending 70 million. So I, I actually quite like the way Liverpool have gone in the transfer business, and rather than p- paying the 70 million for a player that's already semi-established, they've gone out and they've signed. Uh, they've signed who? Uh, a couple uh, last year they signed who? A couple of young boys. Yeah, they, they signed, signed the, the young boy, the centre back, Harvey yeah. Elliott for Philip, yeah. and they signed the boy for Holland. If one of them kicks on, Dad, and if one of them kicks on and 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 does well, then you sometimes say Liverpool haven't signed anyone. But just because they're young doesn't mean if they fulfil their potential doesn't mean that it's going to be a great signing in years to come. No, but you don't want to put pressure on them. They might not be. But it, 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 
I, I quite like the fact that Liverpool haven't gone and wasted money in case somebody becomes available where they need to be able to spend the money and that then they would be in a position to do so. Yeah, but Paul, it knows that it's not necessarily a waste of money if you sign somebody. Depends no, but if it's someone that... Is. But the prices now, Dad, are, are so ridiculous. Yeah, but you get the prices inflated when you sell as well. I get that. So I get if one that. of the fringe players are going to go, they'll get an inflated price for them as well. Which yeah. might, you... not always, might not always level up against who you bring in, but at least it's... If, it, if it's getting more expensive for you to buy, it's getting more fruitful for you to sell as well. Let, let me ask I you mean, a question. I mean, look at Coutinho. For who? Look, 145 million for Coutinho. I get that. I get that. But here's, here's my, here's my, here's my point. And listen, that, that helped us buy Allison and Van Dyke, just to put things into comparison. They, but here's a question for you, Dad, just from your experience. Maybe Blackburn's a better example than Liverpool. When now Liverpool have, are competing for the league title with Man City and they've won the Champions League, do you think there's a premium put on transfer fees when Liverpool become interested now? Do you think that's something well, that they'll have to combat compared when, to... When, well, I think it applies to the so-called bigger clubs in the Premier League that go for players. Look at look at um, Manchester United paying £50 million for Juan Bissaka. Yeah. One year, and, and, and by the way, he looked half decent in, in the Liverpool games. But, I mean, you're talking about a premium. That's a premium, Paul. Well, Harry Maguire as well. Aye. But do and you... It, do you but here's but my... From, but go on. No, Blackburn. Blackburn, we were trying to build a squad as well. Yeah. At the same time, because they, they, they'd come for almost second bottom in the, in the October before we, we got promotion into the Premier League. To get there, so we had to, we had to change a few players quickly to get up to the level of the Premier League. Yeah, but Liverpool are in a different position. They've already gone through that. Yeah, they've got to, they've got to where they are, and I don't think they would think that they kind of get a wee bit better somewhere. But to the naked eye, I don't know what area of the pitch they would be looking to get somebody yeah. to come in and play. I mean, he might need another goalkeeper. Maybe they might think Adrian's a bit older and they might go for another keeper after selling Mignolet. I don't know, but as uh, I say, there's there's no many places. And you've got Milner there that can play three or four and play them really well. And he's he's a fantastic example to all of them. His attitude, his commitment. And Millie doesn't play every game, but he plays every minute he gets to play of a game with the proper commitment, enthusiasm and determination that he won. And that's a fantastic example that he sets to the other players. Yeah. The only the only positions I think, uh, uh, I thought in the summer that we, we could have strengthened, and I'm, listen, I'm pretty sure Liverpool would have liked to if they could have found the right players too, uh, was left-backs, but just depth, and then some, some depth to be able to rotate the front three. Um, yeah, but... You've got a, that, yeah. you've got a young what is it? What's, what age is Robo? Twenty odds, early twenties, twenty five, something like that. All right. Say. So you need to get a young one to come in and play there. But would that young one be better than James Milner back there? I don't think so. Or Joe well, Gomez. Joe Gomez is going to have to get a game somewhere. Joe Gomez. Well, somebody can play there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you know, I'm just saying in in a. Obviously, you've got to bring in the politics, but if you look at our squad and you break it down, they would be the two areas where you think, okay, we could probably do with a little bit of depth there. Um, but not, not, uh, not at the, not at the expense of breaking the bank. No. But the other thing is that there is some really good youngsters coming through at Liverpool. Curtis Jones. I like they've obviously brought some ones in. Brewster's coming back from injury, so there is some. You've there got is the some young, exciting talent coming through. You've got the young boy Hoover that played, yeah, uh, and came on sub in the cup tie at, at Wolverhampton. Yeah. The Holland he looks a decent player. Yeah, and the one you mentioned, so, obviously but, Harvey Elliott, he's training at Melbourne yeah, really straight away. He's not been sent to the academy. He's, he's training with the first team straight away. <clears throat> yeah, so, but. 
Who was it that said you don't want anything with youngsters? <laughs> I mean, that, was your good, that was your good friend, wasn't it? <laughs> but it's hard on it's hard. It's it's great for them to be there and it's great for them to go in and play in amongst experienced and good first team players. But if you put them in as a job law, it's a hard it's a hard game for them. Yeah. And I, I think when you look at the game, I mean you're talking about how seriously they're gonna take the other trophies, the FA Cup and the, the Carabao, whatever if it's still called that. Um, well, last year we we ended up with young Curtis on the pitch, and we ended up Hoover came on as a stub for Lover. So you had a sixteen, seventeen, or eighteen year old on the pitch. You know, you're not going to win. You're not going to win much if you've got if you're getting named the responsibility. And Paul, the other thing we've not had you on, we've not had you on the Tactics Weekly pod uh, this year. Uh, you've uh, you've been too busy. I know you fired me. Eddie. Work for that. You oh, fired yeah. me. Okay, okay. That's all false propaganda. People don't listen to anything the man says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Ed. Just remember who's Paul's hero is. Donald Trump. That's what he's fake news again. What are you on? <laughs> <laughs> my hero flipping it he even moved to America to be close to his hero oh hey, my. well it was do you know why it was only because you and him have the same haircut that I found it that, you know I just couldn't uh, I just I just Eddie, thought Eddie I just, he even plays he even played golf on Trump's golf course and he left a message wish you were here wow all it's the gems are coming out now yeah no I just I just felt really comfortable looking at him Obviously, it was a haircut that I grew up looking at as a child <laughs> on my dad's head. And well, one, subject of, one subject of tactical discussion that seems to have gone on all around the Premier League, not just Liverpool, is the, uh, is the impact of VAR. And uh, the talk is, Paul, that Liverpool are playing a, a higher defensive line as a result of VAR. Uh, it's something that, when speaking to the defenders, I think Trent spoke about, Virgil spoke about, Jurgen Klopp spoke about it. The, the clubs seem to be denying that they're playing a higher line of defence at all, never mind the impact of VAR. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Are Liverpool playing a higher line? Um, I think that a, a lot of the lines sometimes set by what the opposition do. Um, I think that if, if you look at it sometimes, when you play against a team that defends deep and you want your lines to be more connected from front to back, then sometimes it's going to appear that you're playing a higher line when it's just, you're just getting your lines closer together. Uh, sometimes when, when a team's more, more attack minded and they're pushing you back a little bit, then you look like you're playing a deeper line. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of it at times is game state and Liverpool haven't played apart from Arsenal. They haven't played, uh, they haven't played a, you know, a, a tops, you know, a top team really that that's gonna that you're gonna know where Liverpool are gonna set the line. I, I think that probably going into games, Liverpool will will play a higher line in some games and a, a deeper line in other games, depending on on who they're playing against in game state. But what what I would say is that now with Matip and and Van Dijk, with their ability to be able to 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 defend big spaces you, and and their ability to defend uh small spaces as well and crosses into the box you can defend at whatever line you want because if if you want to defend deep and, and defend your 18 yard box and teams are going to pump balls into your box and or try and go direct like burnley did then our two center backs are going to win every header if a team wants to if a team wants to sit back and counter attack then I think Van Dijk recorded the, the highest top speed in the Champions League out of anybody. Uh, so there's, there's, there's nobody that's going to beat the two of them in a race either. So we're, we're in a position where we can, we can play whatever line we want. Two pre-season games. Uh, the one Napoli at Murrayfield. They try to press really high. And Napoli were brilliant in possession. They go through they got through as um, Man City and the Community Shield they tried to press a wee bit higher they got through and then started the Bronner started running through gaps where the team ran through the gaps the other side they started to get 
a wee bit spread out as a back four. But I think they definitely have have it in their mind, whether it's because the new rule where you can you bodies they need to go outside the the eighteen yard line for a goal kick and a lot of teams are taking it short and some of them are not good enough to start playing for there. They would be better with the goalkeeper kicking it in the middle of the pitch and having a fight for it. But if they if they want to play it that short, then we'll go and close them. And the back four's got to be higher up the pitch. Because the distance from front to back would be too great. There'd be too many holes in between. So the distance, as Paul says, between your front and your back is what dictates if you're going to play a high line or you're going to the back, the front three or four is going to drop off. Then the back four have got to drop off a wee bit as well. But there's nothing to fear, as you said. You've got Trent can, Trent can run a bit. Matip's good over the ground. Uh, Virgil. I don't see anybody running past them. And even Andy, Andy Robertson's quick enough. So they can play whatever way they want. But I think they'll play with the opposition in mind. If the opposition are a bit nervous at the back with the ball at their feet and they're made to pump it forwards, you've got Fabino in there challenging Jordan in there. For headers, you've got the back. Either Virgil can come up or Matip can come up and go and win a header. So I don't... I don't think it affects them either way, uh, if they're high or if they're deep. They can play, they can play equally as well either way, and I think it depends on who they're playing against. The, the other, the other key detail as well is the position of the goalkeeper. Obviously, if they're gonna, if the back four are gonna push up to to keep the lines compact, then the goalkeeper's got to be able to play outside this box as well to defend anything that, yeah. that does manage to go over the top. So, I think with Allison, you've got one of the best. At doing that, obviously he's injured at the moment, but I, you know, I think for a for a standing goalkeeper, Adrian's done all right. He's done all right, hasn't he? Since he's yeah. since he's come in, uh, so just he, the one it's just the one it's yeah, Southampton. But do you but, know what, Dad? Do you know what you find that you've got to be lucky as a goalkeeper because if you make a mistake and you still win the game, then the mistake's forgotten about. It, it's the it's the it's the outcome of the mistake rather than. The, the actual mistake itself and, and no, I think Allison, even Allison at the beginning of his Liverpool career he made some mistakes that resulted in goals for the opposition but we never lost the game and I think that's where you've got to be a little bit lucky as a goalkeeper that your mistakes don't cost you points well it's a point si. that cost him a goal at Southampton but yeah. uh, Danny Ings missed a chance uh-huh. right at the final whistle it could have cost his point but as I say, they're happy to do it either way, and they're very well equipped to do either. Mm. Now, the other thing Should that we I... spoke about right from the outset there was VAR. Uh, so, so to you both, really, what what have you been your thoughts of the way VAR has been implemented in the Premier League? I think it's a little bit different, Paul, isn't it, to to how you guys do it over in the MLS or how it is in the various leagues around Europe. The, the Premier League seems to have taken a slightly different approach. You don't see the referee going over to look at the the screen at pitch side and things like that, is it? I mean, there's it seems a bit marmite. There's people that will uh, that absolutely love it, and there's people that absolutely loathe it. So, where, so where do you stand on it? So here's my here's my stance on VR. I think VR, the concept of VR, is great. That the decisions, uh, as a, especially as a fan, you might you might say, look, I like the excitement of I like the excitement of the you know the human element of of football and mistakes. When you're a manager. You just want the decisions to be right. And when you're, when you're, when you're playing a game and, and you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, you it's your job to, to win games and perform. You can accept if, if you, a decision has changed and it's the right decision. But it's very, very difficult to accept when you, when you lose a game or you, or you, you know, you maybe draw a game because of a refereeing decision that was proven to be incorrect. So the, the concept of VAR is, is for me, is I really, really like. The implementation, on the other hand, is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating at times because it seems like every federation thinks they have a better way of doing it. Uh, and everyone's trying to do it differently. And, you know, the, the, what they're saying in the Premier League is that high bar, whatever a high bar means, because my definition of a high bar and your definition of a high bar is totally different. 
And if you look at the the penalty, Man City, was it Silver that got his foot stood on? How how can anybody uh, look at that and not give a penalty? Like I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand how how that cannot be looked at by somebody and a penalty be given. I, I don't understand. I, I genuinely because, don't understand. I don't see the point in VAR if 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 that decision cannot be given. Oh, in that instance, right? The guy was on Sky Sports and he said, if the referee hasn't blown, right, they won't tell him that it's a penalty. So, so again, so, the, the implementation, is different. Right, the, the implementation needs to be changed. Uh, because the, the concept of VR is great. Now, I don't, I don't agree that the, I don't agree that the referee needs to run over to a screen like they do in MLS and look on the side and make the decision himself. Because how could, what's the difference between somebody with video replays making a decision in a booth and a linesman making a decision? If, if you're, a referee has to trust decisions made by other people because the linesman makes a decision on an offside that a referee can't see. So why can't he trust the decision of somebody who's watching video in a booth? Well, even with the offsides now, Paul, if somebody gets hit over the top and it looks like a goal-scoring opportunity, they don't flag for offside. No, no. Right? And fit, someone's going to get hurt. So then they go back and have a look at it after the, the game's gone dead. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you can imagine that being abused, can't you? Yeah. I can imagine go through a couple of minutes to go, you're offside, you know you're offside. Everybody knows you're offside. The guy can't flag. So I'll take the ball up into the corner flag, waste some time, or I'll lash it to the back of the crowd. And then you'll put his flag up. That time isn't added on. Yeah, you don't, I don't know. I don't know the no, details. No, it's not added on. It's not added on. Because I'm entitled to play on, and that's... What they've been told. Well, when does the Play when on? does the clock when does the clock start from start from when the game restarts or does it start well, from where the come, instant when the stops? ball when the ball comes out the crowd for the goal to take a goal kick? Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know I don't know the details. Well, I but, just think I think it's of course everybody wants to get the decisions right. You want uh, you don't want anybody to be suffering. The, the penalty that uh, they got, was it Tottenham? Oh, no, the goal mm. got chopped off for Man City. Oh, the handball. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I, I don't now even that, know. Paul, if that was the other way around and you were defending, they get, they chopped the goal off because it led to a goal after a handball. But if, if you're it was defending, the defending team, then it's not a foul. If, if you're a defending team, it doesn't count. You wouldn't get a penalty. Sorry, the, if, no, the... Uh, yeah, you know. If yeah. you're defending and you handball it, it's no penalty. If it's no. the same circumstances. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that, I can't, that can't under, be right. I can't understand that. Well, what 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 they're saying because they they have somebody on. I was watching ESPN FC, and they have the referee on, and he was saying that they don't that, see. This is the the problem is is you know they don't think that that. A team should benefit in terms of scoring a goal from a handball, but in the other instance, they think that the game should flow. And well, uh, I, 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 that my thing is, look, it's handball. There just needs to be. I think too many people get involved and complicate things for no reason. Just tell us what a handball is, and and then we can all plan accordingly. Well. But you can't get benefit. I've got no idea. You can get benefit, right? If a hand hits a guy in the hand and you score, and they say you get benefit for the handball, what happens if a defender gets benefit for the handball that prevents a guy from getting mm-hmm. a goal scoring opportunity? Mm-hmm. But now that it's changed, hasn't it? Is your they've hand? Made it, they've made it so much more complicated now. With but the it needs to be. Yeah. Aye. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And, and for me, it's, it's, uh, you know, if I was the ball 
was the hand in an unnatural position? You know, these are some of the things you've heard. Well, was it ball to hand or hand <clears throat> to ball? Did the did the did, was the hand in a position that made the body bigger? Was it outside the frame yeah, of the, the body? And and that it's all. They've it's got all some guidelines. Just tell us what a handball is, right? No, they've got some complicated. They've got you some guidelines, but they can't have uh, they can't have too many complicated things in it. And that's what they've done. They've complicated themselves because of the VAR. They made yeah. the interpretations even more misunderstanding now than what it was before. Well, uh, here's my here's my question, Dad, and and I don't know why this is. This hasn't happened, but like I, I say, say you know, like in rugby, and you can tell that they have the the referees are mic'd up, and you actually uh, right. Well, maybe you can't do that in football. The the language in in football. It, I mean, the rugby players play the game with more manners, I would say, than 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 we play football. But the the um, after the game, surely. It would be in everybody's interests for referees to explain, and, and not not in a not in a way where they they're getting stitched up, in a way where they can explain why they made the decision, and if they were wrong, say, do you know what? I got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but and, why? And do you know what, Dad? And when they show, if they show that, if then all of a sudden you might go, do you know what? Yeah, it's hard that refereeing. I don't, I, you can show empathy to decisions if they're explained, but when it's just this, when it's just this, no, that's the sin. You've got no idea how they get to the decision. I, I, that, that, Paul, that just frustrates me even more. I'll tell you what else is going to happen. The referees won't be making decisions. They'll renege for making the decision, hoping somebody else can can rescue them. They won't want to make a decision. They won't want the referee. They want the people in. And I think, <clears throat> if they say, they say that if the the guy blows in the referee's ear, right, the referee mm. doesn't give a decision. He's waiting for the guy to blow in his ear, say that was a penalty. They won't ever make decision. The it television er will be making a decision. Sounds quite erotic, that, doesn't it? Blowing in your ear. Quite, quite. I don't know. <laughs> right. And if you've got, if you've, uh, the, the, the people, I think I'm right in saying the people who work on television on behalf of the, the referees and they come out, they're all employed by the people that are doing VAR. So they're mm. not going to be critical of it because they're not going to cut off the hand that feeds them. It does seem to be largely that way. I mean, Paul mentioned that high bar. It, it does seem to be the way the Premier League have done it, is to try and protect the referee as much as possible from any form of criticism. It, that, that does seem to be the way it's uh, it's been introduced in the Premier League. And I'm sure on future podcasts we're going to speak about VAR a whole lot. And you know full well what <laughs> happened with Man City in that Tottenham game is, is going to happen to every team, including Liverpool, yeah. at some point this and, season. And the Champions League, semi, uh, and the Champions League quarter-final. Absolutely, yeah. Benefited but, Spurs again, so Spurs best signing is yeah. probably VAR. But, for the, but listen, some of them, there was one game, uh, the referee never even blew. The goalie get challenged, right? He's off the floor, he's going to catch it. Somebody come in, hit him, spun him, dropped him, guy tapped it in, he never even blew his whistle. Mm -hmm. Then you get the other one, uh, with Grealish. Remember on the edge of the box? He was playing Crystal Palace. Yeah, the Aston Villa one, yeah. Yeah, and he goes through and he tries to ride the tackle and then he went down when he went near Cahill and the referee booked him for diving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was scandalous. All right, he might have blown a bit early because he scored, but still, for him to get booked was, was a worse decision than blowing the whistle. And I just think, I, I think they can't, the VAR, as long as they understand and they're prepared to accept, the VAR's there to help you and get as many decisions right as they possibly can. And if it takes an extra couple of seconds, then so be it. <clears throat> but don't use it as an excuse not to make a decision. And don't let's use it as an excuse to blame somebody else either. 
I think the referee should be the one, even if it means going over to have a quick look to see whether it should be or it shouldn't be. No, the guy's sitting in the studio. So he should be accountable, is what we're saying for. <clears throat> well, you've got to be accountable. Decisions. You've got to be accountable, haven't you? Absolutely, I'm. I'm with you. I know Paul's saying that the uh, the guys in the studio are all qualified referees. They should be able to make those decisions as well. But you do feel there has to be that uh, that level of accountability to the uh, ah. to, to the referee as well, right? We could talk about VAR all day, but we do need to look at the uh, the Champions League draw in this next run of fixtures before we we finish. So Liverpool been drawn against uh, Napoli, obviously. Again, you mentioned the game at Murrayfield. I was at, at that game. It was a uh, a very hard one to swallow, but it was only uh, a friendly. So now we get the the real action in the Champions League. There, what what were your general thoughts on the Champions League draw, Kenny? I mean, we we, we I think we we mentioned the draw before we started recording today. Uh, last year's draw, where we were pitted against obviously PSG. For, they were in the pot one side, we were the pot two side, and then we had uh, we had oh. we had a much tougher draw. I think it's fair to say uh, last year than we do this year, and uh, we did see. At the game at the San Paolo last year, Carly Ancelotti seemed to play the perfect game against Liverpool, and that's going to be the first game uh, of this year's campaign. So, uh, what kind of match do you expect? Uh, is Ancelotti going to be able to use the same sort well, of strategy were, as he did last year? Yeah, and they were very impressive uh, in the game uh, in Edinburgh. Uh, they, although it was pre-season, <clears throat> they could beat 4-3, coming back to 3-0 down with Juventus. Um, and they started the Italian league and it was an own goal for Koulibaly when there was no danger at all really that, that cost them the game so they're, they're going to be half decent they're going to be half decent and I mean you, the two of them will go through the two of them will go through so I don't think there's there'll be much damage done irrespective of what the result is in the first game. Because the next two, uh, Leipzig, and who's the other one? Uh, it's Genk, isn't it? Genk. Well, with it being overconfident, you're, you're Macaulay Culkin, isn't you? You're home alone. It's you two and you're through. So, um, but he, I think he's, he's, done a great job there Ancelotti he's done a great job there and the, the game we played over and also the game at Anfield was a good game as well so I think Napoli and Liverpool will be through and Paul Virgil van Dijk and Koulibaly probably two of the best defenders in the world right now and I know you mentioned last year on this show that uh, Koulibaly is a player you'd have had an eye on as a potential future transfer target uh, so I suppose I have to ask you both which, which would you prefer to have played against the least Oh. It See, no, I think I think the the I think oh, I don't know. Well, Van Dijk's just won. Van Dijk's just won FIFA Player of the Year, hasn't he? You know, he's he, and he's younger than he's younger than Koulibaly. You'd say that Van Dijk was. I think. You know, the I thing, think, the thing, go on. Van Dijk's very find as well, isn't he? Koulibaly's a bit. He's a bit rough. He's. A bit more I mean, aye. Um, yeah. I think Virgil's more cultured. Uh, two of them are quick. Two of them are really good defenders, but I think Virgil's just got a wee bit more now about him than Koulibaly. What, what I would also... I would, just, I would say Virgil. I'd say I'd rather play against Virgil. But I'll find out in my FIFA game. How we do it. <laughs> the, the, other, <laughs> the other... The other one uh, is that you... Koulibaly's a a few years older than Virgil. So you'd like to think with defenders, they, they normally, the position, they normally get better as they get a little bit older, decision-making, things like that. So you'd like to think that Virgil's probably got another level to advance to uh, from where he's at now, which is, is scary to think about. Whereas Koulibaly's at an age now where he's probably already hit his peak. So... uh <sighs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go both of them and kick that Kenny Dalglish icon in FIFA and see which <laughs> one works best. <laughs> and at then I'll I... tell you, Eddie. Then I'll tell you, <laughs> Eddie. At least I can find out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear. So, Paul, just generally on the draw, are you agreeing with your dad that, that I mean, it, it seems a stick on, and there's no gimmies in any form of football. But are you going with that that Liverpool and Napoli will be one and two in that group? I mean, it's the obvious answer. Uh, any particular order? Does it does it matter anymore with the fact that the way the the seedings work now? Does it matter if you finish first or second? It didn't affect Liverpool last year at all. They went in and blew Bayern Munich away in that uh, in that in that in that last sixteen round. Look, you don't, you don't really know what one's the best one until all the all the groups are finished. Because sometimes the best teams don't finish first. Sometimes you finish second, and if you win it, you get a tougher draw. You just need to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he asked me the question, not you. Oh, did he? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, it must be. Just asking, but you answered it. That's fine. That's it. Must be the earphone. That's fine. So I take it that's another agreement, then, Paul. What? No, listen. (laughs) Liverpool, Liverpool, and Napoli should go through. Uh, But stranger things have happened. You can't take it for granted. Fair enough. And uh, Kenny, in general, you were speaking about the, the transfers earlier and the fact that Liverpool didn't strengthen because they had this squad and they were looking to get these other guys' games. Obviously, we've seen very little of Shakiri, Origi, Gomez is now seems to be behind the pecking order, uh, behind Matip. Uh, but they do have a domestic cup coming up against MK Dons. Yeah. And last year, we were a bit unfortunate with those draws in some ways, getting Premier League opposition in the first round of both cups. Do you think there'll be any different in the way that Liverpool approach the Cups or same approach but hoping for slightly different results to give some of these other guys more action no, was it was it Leicester last year was in Chelsea at Anfield in the League Cup and, uh, and Wolves yeah, obviously away in the FA Cup uh, Chelsea two relatively strong teams weren't it and, and then they put Hazard on and we were, we were winning one now Wolves we played a weekend uh, a youngest team and a lot of the boys that hadn't played I think you've got to give the boys a game that haven't played. I mean, how else are they going to be fit and available for selection if you need them in the league matches? Now, if you're not giving them a game in the league, you've got to give them a game in the cup games. And yeah, I mean, if it's with all due respect, if you're playing MK Dons, I know they beat Man U, didn't they? Four and one in the Carabao Cup a couple of years ago, didn't they? I think if they, if we if we put a team out he's putting a team out to win yeah putting, at the same I, time it's a very delicate uh, decision because you're putting them out to win but you're also having to protect some people that yeah. maybe have played a few games are carrying a few injuries and we never know what they're doing if that's if they have a problem so I would put my my faith in the manager and see where it goes for there because he's no he's not done too badly up to new, is he? Do you know what, Dad? I would, I would, um, I would be disappointed if we didn't play those players in, in especially in the Carabao Cup, the the FA Cup. Uh, for, you know, the Champions League with the league format, you're playing more games. Um, I, I I do think that. But, go on. I would say, I would say, although you're making the changes. Yeah. It doesn't undermine your desire or dilute your desire to win the cup. No, I agree. I agree. I as agree. long as you've got the desire to win it and you're not going out just to go through the motion, then I, I think it's uh, it's reasonable. So, do you know what, Dad? Do you we know should, what I we actually... should be going through against MK Dons. So. Do, you know, do you know as a fan? It's great, it's great to get a trip to Wembley. Yeah. Do you know as a fan, though? I, I actually enjoy seeing the young players getting a chance to see the young players playing in the first team. I, I do. Like I actually enjoy that. I actually look forward to. I actually look forward to the the league cup, hoping that you get to see some young players blooded and and given a chance, and you get to see them for the you know for the first time, or you yeah. get to see them. You know, I enjoy that. It, it makes me. Because I, I, I like, I like seeing, I like seeing young players come through playing the first team, and and I, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of fans that think the same way that they actually, they actually no, enjoy the, seeing the young players. So like a Curtis Jones or Brewster, uh, you know, players like that, you want to see them. 
You want to see everybody them play? enjoys everybody enjoys seeing them, right? But then every they be still want them to when they go forward because everybody enjoys seeing them at Wembley lifting the trophy. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying that I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that much of a delicate decision. I think that there's a lot of fans that would actually enjoy seeing the young boys play and and when they when they do play, you know, you want to surround them with a little bit of experience as well to help them. Oh. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's, it's something that I, I genuinely am looking forward to. And, and when you see the, when you see the draw come out last year and it's Chelsea and you're like, oh, I was actually a little bit disappointed that you wouldn't get to see the young players play. Uh, oh, well, as long as you're pleased, Paul, that's all right. <laughs> um, you like me be happy, don't you? <laughs> uh. Well, folks, I think that's uh, enough for one episode and that draws us to a close uh, of this episode of The King and AI. And as ever, please do give us your feedback. The best way is uh, on our free Discord community. Uh, All Liverpool fans are invited to sign up to that. It's anfieldindex.com forward slash discord which is d-i-s-c-o-r-d alternatively please do tag us to your comments on twitter uh, we are respectively at kenneth dalgleish at dalgleish paul or to at eddie gibbs or at anfield index pro all being well we'll try and make the king and ai uh, a more regular part of your acoustic diet as the season progresses and uh, liverpool pursue these uh, domestic cups as well as the uh, elusive premier league title and that uh option if you like to try and get that seventh uh, Champions League which uh, is almost un- unthinkable at this stage as the as the draw just kicks off but as Kenny said uh, no one wants to play Liverpool over two legs no one at all uh, and that important reminder once again if you uh, if you enjoy listening to this show as much as we enjoy making it for you then all we ask is that one thing please head on over to anfieldindex.com forward slash MDA and do whatever you can to support the uh, Marina Dalgleish appeal so uh, I need to thank the fantastic Paul Dalgleish Oh, fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we need to give you some compliments. I mean, you are giving... No, it's, your... no, no, I remember it was... The, you said something one, on one of the last ones that it wasn't very complimentary, but I'll take fantastic. <laughs> well, you've won an extra trophy now, so you have to. <laughs> <laughs> and the wonderful Sir Kenny Dowdley. Thank you, Edward. And you know what? Paul's not even mentioned the golf. What? Oh, of course, you two have. Uh, you t- this isn't the first time you yes. two have spoken recent weeks. You've kind of had had a little holiday together out in Miami. So, so Paul, tell yes. us about the golf. Yeah, we won, <laughs> and now won as well. Yeah, we won. We beat. We played. Uh, we had a, a father and son versus not father and son, but just two randoms. Now, two, two, two of our friends over here in Miami, and. Uh, we got our lunch paid for both times, didn't we? Yes. So we get to eat for free. Oh, that's a Scottish so blood. That's a Scottish blood in the two of you right there, making sure you bag yep. the free lunch on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we're going to... That's, that's the only time we're going to mention Scotland on this podcast because <laughs> on the football side, it's not very good right now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And as ever, we'll draw you to a close by uh, leaving you in the capable hands of uh, of Kelly Kate. So over to Kelly now, and it's goodbye from us. Thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. There is one more thing that you could do, but it doesn't really require any effort. If you use Amazon, if you go to smile.amazon.co.uk, there's an option to select a charity. If you select the Marina Dalgleish appeal, then every time you make a purchase at Amazon, they will make a donation to the charity. All you have to do is use smile.amazon.co.uk as your website to buy things from Amazon. It should, in theory, be quite straightforward. Thanks very much again. Podcast Network.